following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to The Leftovers. I am Dan Bauer. Tonight, we have a special guest, friend of the program, and now officially recurring guest, Steve Gardner out of Chicago. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be still in here. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to uh, jump in here, and I'm a big listener, so excited to actually contribute to this. Yeah, long-time listener, second-time caller in, so we're happy to have you. Yeah, we'll, we'll forget about this one. Yeah, so the big NFL news, you know, the NFL never sleeps. Jameis Winston, news of the day, three-game suspension for him for allegedly sexually assaulting an Uber driver back in March of 2016. She told her story to uh, BuzzFeed in November of last year. This was a negotiated settlement with the NFL, uh, the Players Union, so there will no be there will not be an appeal. Jameis will sit three games of the 2018 season, the first three to be specific. Um, so, Steve, my question for you, three-game suspension for him. Is this kind of what you expected this suspension would look like? Were you thinking it would be more? Were you thinking it would be less? Or is three games kind of right up where you were thinking? Well, I thought it was a really bizarre story in general, just given how long ago it happened. Um, And then you have the precedent, of course. I mean, the NFL is always so odd in their suspensions. You have the Ezekiel Elliott case, which was six games, and he never actually admitted to it and denied it to the end. And then, of course, you have PED suspensions for four games. So I'm kind of – I think it's kind of odd and off in terms of, like, what he actually did versus the crime. I think he probably should have gotten at least what Elliott got, but – the same time in CNFL and it's just kind of like you never know what to expect with these so I thought it was just kind of a bizarre story in general and yeah I mean I, CNFL is not doing itself any favors in the public mindset. No I mean Jameis did not deny it he issued an apology today but there was no denial in it it was essentially I'm sorry for the position that I put the, the driver in and and I apologize to, to her and family and team and you know, all the things you expect to say, but I mean, that's a very good point. Ezekiel denies everything that he was suspended for, and he got more than Jameis did, and it's a really curious case. I mean, do you think there's anything to the criticism that the NFL doesn't want their their quarterback sitting out, uh, especially, you know, Jameis is a star of the league? Do you think that that's the difference between what Ezekiel faced and what Jameis faced? Yeah, I think him, like, not fighting it at all had a lot to do with the low amount of games. But if you look back at what he – Chargers came out initially two and a half years ago or whenever it was, he was very adamantly, like, denying the charge. And then if you compare the statement today, it's like a complete reversal. So I don't know what changed or what exactly happened behind the scenes, but it's just all very shady and really kind of reinforces Jameis's character or lack thereof, I guess, knowing – I mean – this is not the first time that he's been in trouble with these types of situations. And 
now he's the face of a franchise and a face of a franchise that is really struggling to gain momentum with him. So it's just kind of uh, on the books. I'm really like giving him, I wouldn't give him any more chances, but it's kind of like a, what, what else do you expect from him now at this point? Right. It, it, it's a lot going on some, you know, in the, in the sports world uh, with sexual assault. You know, the, the other big story is, uh, Luke Conlick from Oregon State, the Oregon State pitcher who was not drafted. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of college baseball um, later, but you know, in a kind of comparable, what do you do if you're the team scenario? No one drafted Luke Conlick, one of the best pitchers in college baseball, who denies it, the story of him uh, allegedly sexually assaulting his six-year-old niece uh, when he was 15, I believe. Um, you know, he took a plea deal, said he just you know took the plea, so. That his lawyers and other people are advising to, but swears he does he didn't do it. If you listen to the testimony of the niece, I mean it's pretty compelling. It's one of those things that you don't really understand how it could possibly be made up. Uh, and and like I said, nobody drafted him. The Royals, a couple other teams are looking at potentially signing him. Uh, but if you're an NFL team, this is this is a very big tightrope to walk on on this issue. Yeah, I, I just think it's just bizarre. The NFL really is putting itself, like I said, in a really terrible light with, like, three games for this, and then you have a guy who will smoke marijuana or take an Adderall pill, and there'll be four games. And it's like, what is the precedent you're setting here? And, like, well, where is the consistency with these suspensions? So it's like, what are they doing? I just don't understand it at all. But it also just reinforces what Roger Goodell is and really kind of what's wrong with him and his whole NFL. Absolutely. Uh, well, we'll get off this topic from one dictator – to another, the World Cup in Russia. We have some finals uh, and some very interesting storylines to go through, so I'll buzz through these real quick of just who's advancing. And uh, Steve, big soccer guy, uh, so we'll let him whine on a little bit after this about uh, the games. But Uruguay and Russia advance in Group A. Uh, Group B, Spain and Portugal, really no surprise there. Group C, France and Denmark. Uh, Group D, Croatia and Argentina advance. Um, the the story there, Iceland obviously out of it after uh, it was very fun. You know the the all the Viking chance uh, we will no longer be seeing those. Group E, Brazil and Switzerland advance. Group F, Sweden Mexico. This is the crazy one. Uh, the the games the past couple days. Uh, Germany is out of the tournament. Who would have expected that after South Korea to uh, South Korea um, almost. Did, Almost advanced there. Sweet, like I said, Sweden and Mexico. Um, even after Mexico got uh, absolutely demolished by Sweden, thanks to South Korea, Mexico gets to move on. Uh, the 2-0 defeat of Germany on Wednesday. Belgium and England uh, defense, uh, advance in Group G. And Group H, Colombia and Japan. Um, so the knockout bracket is set. Uh, so we will have uh, Uruguay and Portugal, France, Argentina, Brazil and Mexico. Belgium, Japan, uh, Spain, Russia, Croatia, Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland, and Colombia, England. And I got real nervous as I was reading that because <laughs> it's all just the the, the kits, uh, as they would call them, um, and the three-letter abbreviation. So glad I got through there. So, Steve, um, some reactions so far out of all these games you've watched. Uh, any predictions? What do you got for us, Mr. World Cup expert? Yeah, so I think overall um... – there are a few crazy matches, and obviously Germany not making it is a big, big storyline. But for the most part, the teams that everyone expected to advance, advance. I think 
the one outlier was Japan, and they actually advanced in what many were calling controversial fashion. So if you're not aware, if teams have the same point value as in they win, tie the same amount, and they also have the same number of goals allowed, it now goes to what is called the fair play rule. And in that case, it's the number of yellow cards that your the team has had throughout the entire tournament. So Japan and um, Senegal both were in the same situation today where they both lost, giving them that fair play rule in place. And Senegal actually lost probably 10 minutes before Japan did. And Japan knew this, and they're down 1-0. So them and Poland proceeded to kick the ball back and forth together for the final 10 minutes, which a lot of soccer purists were like, this is very against the game and unacceptable. And I kind of agree it was kind of messed up for Senegal. I mean, uh, Senegal did not really um, have a chance because they got two extra yellow cards. But that being aside, Japan makes it in, and they're kind of like the sleeper team out of these 16 teams. Overall, I'd say one side of the bracket is really stacked. You have Uruguay, Portugal, France, Argentina all in the top left. And then below you have Brazil and Belgium. So that's like a pretty loaded side of the bracket versus the other side where you only have Spain, Croatia, and England, who are kind of like the big favorites there. Everyone else is kind of eh, not someone I would expect to really win the entire thing. So I think overall, it's pretty wide open. I think it still has Brazil as the favorite, which I can find it kind of surprising considering they have not been the most impressive team so far throughout the tournament. I'd say that Croatia or Belgium probably has. But if I had to pick now off the top of my head, I'd probably go with Brazil. But I could really see someone like Belgium or even uh, Spain coming out and winning. I think Spain really lucked out in the draw because they go Russia and then they will play Croatia, but they're still Spain, obviously, being a top three team in the entire world. And England and um, Belgium actually were playing a game that really didn't matter because they both had clinched today. So they really weren't trying either, and it was funny because you just could tell that no one really wanted to win the match, but Belgium ultimately won and actually hurt itself more knowing that now they will likely play Brazil in the quarterfinals, while England will play Colombia and then Sweden or Switzerland, giving itself a pretty easy ride to the semis. So I'd probably, if I decide, I'd have England coming out of the semis, England versus Spain, and then Spain making the finals, and then up in the left-hand region, I have Uruguay versus France, and then Uruguay actually upsetting France. I think Uruguay is kind of going under the radar this tournament. They haven't lost yet, and they haven't lost the entire calendar year. And then I like really Brazil and Belgium, and then I'll go with Brazil, and then Brazil beating Uruguay, and then a Brazil-Spain final, which I will go with Brazil winning as much as it kills me. I just think that you really can't go against Vegas, and you really can't go against a team that is considered the best in the world. But I guess I really wouldn't mind if uh, someone besides Brazil won, because you kind of just see the same teams always winning, whether it be Brazil, France, England, or Spain, and then Germany, obviously. So I'd like anyone but Brazil to win, but I think they'll probably win. Well, Steve, I'm going to have to compliment you on the most thorough World Cup uh, info we've given on the leftovers. So shout out to you on that. Can you imagine yeah, the, I mean, the Japan-Senegal like tiebreaker? Like Think of that in a different sport. You know, Let's say there's a tie in hockey, and, oh, okay, we give the playoff spot to the team – got less penalty minutes this year uh so you get the last playoff spot I mean, what an absurd tiebreaker yeah yeah it's it's really i mean it kind of speaks to what fifa is and like this a really absurd league i guess or really a federation i guess and you think that they would change it to like and i was seeing on twitter people were saying why not make it like the most shots on goal 
like something that actually shows value versus the number of fouls, like it just makes no sense. And just them doing that really kind of reinforced the absurdity of that rule and how I just honestly think it's just kind of funny. And Japan now, I mean, they, it's huge for them because I don't think soccer is as big over there. So them advancing it this far is like really big for their country. And then you have a team like Senegal, the entire continent of Africa was riding on them because everyone else had been eliminated. They had shown some promise beating Poland already and tying, they tied Japan actually. So you really, I really felt for them just knowing that they kind of were helpless at the end. I mean, they, they lost to a much, much better team um, in their match today, but I really thought felt for them in, in some ways because they really had, couldn't control it at the end there. And they were relying on a Japan to not care. And Poland didn't care either, which is funny because they obviously were out of it already, but they had no pride at all. And this we're like, all right, we're going to win, but we're not going to try anymore. Uh, yeah. Just an, an out of this world um, rule. Um, so yeah, who knows how how that gets yeah. resolved? But uh, let's move on to uh, a sport that we both know and love significantly better than soccer. Uh, the College World Series wrapped up tonight. Oregon State ends up winning it in what is an absolutely wild storyline. For anybody who didn't watch the game yesterday, Arkansas down to their uh, you know just needed one out. Um, Oregon State down to their their last out last night hit a pop up that. Lands foul between first base and second baseman and right fielder. Uh, if somebody catches it, the series is over. Arkansas is your national champions. And nobody goes to the ball. Nobody calls it. You know, it's, it, it's hard to tell if it was a miscommunication or, or just nobody went for it. Everybody called it. Nobody called it. But either way, uh, the baseball gods do not let, let you get away with that. So Tuesday night, that happens. Oregon State comes back in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, to win the game, and then today jump out to an early lead uh, and then go on absolute cruise control. Oregon State, Kevin Abels goes nine innings. Uh, He's a freshman. Uh, Zero earned runs, two two hits in what was a game that, you know, like we said, the baseball guys don't let you get away with letting a ball drop. So my question for you is, Steve, if you're the first baseman, second baseman, right fielder for Arkansas, do you ever sleep for the rest of your life again? I mean, that's tough. Like, you are down to you, – you're one strike away from sweeping what many considered was the best team in college baseball this year. I mean, the most consistent, at least. That's tough. I mean, as someone who – and I know you're in the same boat, seen a lot of heartbreaking losses in the most awful, awfully bad ways, absolutely bad ways. I, I don't know how you come back from that. I mean, especially a lot of those kids – I mean, a lot of those kids will be pros and they'll go on to have good or solid MLB or minor league careers. But some of those kids will never get a chance to play on that level again and to have it just kind of taken away from you in a way that is really controllable. I mean, it's a pop-up foul ball, and it's just – I don't know. I mean, you knew when that didn't happen that, one, Oregon State would win that game, and then, two, for today's game, they're not going to win that one either because it was just – they were ahead for pretty much the entirety of two games and then were out ahead after that. So it was just – I mean, I don't know how you get back from that. That's just absolutely brutal. And I guess I was reading Arkansas is known for choking across all sports. I mean, you don't normally see them as a team that is contending for titles in any college sport. So that's another uh, punch in the gut for that entire school, just knowing the whole lack of uh, pro- programs they have at that school that really have won titles. So you really got to kind of feel for them. Yeah. So one little kind of zero bias question, actually, that we get to ask you since Josh and Anshu are not here today is their boy, Nick Madrigal had 
an absolutely terrible College World Series. Uh, I believe doesn't even get a single hit, right? Goes 0 for 13 uh, these past three yeah. games. So, you know, what, you know, do you think this is a flu for Nick Madrigal or is this uh, a bad sign for Anshu and Josh and the White Sox that once he, he faces the absolute best of the best in pressure, in pressure situations that he, it, it, you know, can't step up to the plate in, in those really clutch situations? So I think the knee-jerk reaction is that you uh, you say, oh, wow, this guy's not clutch. Like, he's going to be a bust. But I don't think you can take three games and really um, define a player by that, especially someone of his caliber. I think that looking at his track record, looking at his career, looking at just the way he, he's been scouted, the way he's played, like, you just can't do that. I mean, I know it was the highest of stages, but I'm sure he's come out clutch in plenty of conference games, plenty of big moments. So I'm 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 going to go on the side of that. I think this is a fluke. I think that he just wasn't seeing the ball right, and he'll be up. He'll be fine. I think this these three games don't take away from his entire career, and he led them to this point. So you got to remember that as well. So I think that this is a, a very fluky thing, and that he'll be fine. Yeah, somebody uh, who absolutely did have a phenomenal game, uh, Rushman for Oregon State. Um, is a, a kid who's probably going to be your number one overall pick, the catcher uh, from them next in next year's MLB draft. Goes three for four today. Uh, yesterday, I know he played really well. I'm trying to pull that up real quick. Um, yesterday, uh, apologize, only goes one for five. Um, but just, or no, I'm sorry, three for five, yeah. Um, so, kid to watch out for if you are a big baseball draft nerd. Uh, look out for him, the catcher, switching catcher. Uh, from Oregon State, he is likely, if he continues this, going to be your number one overall pick uh, in next year's MLB draft. So keep an eye on that. Um, Steve, any other kind of reactions from this College World Series? Players who stood out, players that that you really are looking forward to seeing at the next level, or, or just any final thoughts from a very fun three days of baseball? Yeah, I think uh, Kevin Abel, who pitched tonight for uh, Oregon State, really stood out to me. I mean, the kid's a freshman. And he threw a two-hit shutout, uh, striking out 10 to win the game, which is pretty unreal. I mean, you don't see a lot of freshmen who are number who are pitching in big moments like that and really leading their team to, to a, a clinching game like that for the College World Series. And to think that he's only a freshman is pretty pretty mind-boggling, especially like he has to be in uh, the college for Oregon State for two more years. So just imagine how much he can improve and really build off the start. So I'm sure he'll be a name that you'll be hearing – from a lot over the next couple of years, assuming he hasn't hurt his arm. But, yeah, I thought that was pretty incredible that they relied on the freshman and he delivered in the biggest way possible for them. Absolutely. It's going to be a good team. You know, they, they graduated three number one draft picks this year uh, at the top of their order for Oregon State. But we mentioned Rushman coming back, Kevin Abels, like you just mentioned, it's it, they're still going to be good. I mean, they're going to absolutely reload. So keep an eye on them in next year's. Uh, next year's College World Series and playoffs as well. Um, that'll be a fun one. Uh, from one pitcher to another, we'll get to our oh, by the ways, and then we'll let you guys get your weekend. So my oh, by the way, Shohei Otani is allegedly okay and been given the green light to start hitting again. He'll be reevaluated re now in three weeks of whether he'll pitch again this season. I cannot fathom for the life of me how he's going to end up pitching this season. Uh, you know, we've talked ad nauseum on the show about the UCL injury and you know, whether he ever, whether he's going to need Tommy John or not, those stories have gone back and forth. So 
Uh, at least allegedly he's going to try to hit here soon and reevaluate on the pitching. But, uh, Steve, any quick reaction on Shohei Itani, and then we'll let you give your own, by the way, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, I think it's not surprising. I think the Angels are kind of at the point now where they need help, and they know that, like, look at the AL picture, and you have the Astros, you have the Yankees, you have the Red Sox, you have the Mariners. So right now they're kind of the odd team out, and they're fading. So they need some help, and I think this is kind of a desperation be for them, knowing where they are this season about halfway through here, that they, they need a bat and they need to make a run, or else they'll be long gone, long out of it by the time it's mid-July, and Houston and Seattle have pulled away, and the Yankees and Red Sox have also pulled away, and they have no shot at a wild card. So no surprise there. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, you know, they need a jump start. Cozart obviously goes down. I don't think we've mentioned that yet on the show, but Cozart goes down with an injury. So, you know, that's going to hurt them, obviously, as well. But uh, got to know, by the way, for us today, Steve? Yes, I do. And also it kind of fits under the zero bias. So I know the Reds have not been having the best of years despite their recent run of success. But I want to talk about a player who who is on that team that one has actually been talking about, and that's Eugenio Suarez. So he's their starting baseman for those who do, don't do not know, and he has been tearing it up this year for the Reds. He actually just signed a contract extension in the offseason, which was actually praised given his his youth. He's only 26, and he has had some back-to-back solid years at third and plays good defense. But this year has been exceptional. He's only played 63 games because of an injury, but he has 58 RBI, which is Kind of crazy if you think about it. Then he also has an OPS of 955 and also um, an OBP of 388, which is pretty impressive, along with 16 home runs. So he's just controlling it for them, and it's just kind of like no one's been talking about it. I believe he's probably fourth right now in the All-Star voting, which is kind of a shame when you think about it, and he's obviously been the best third baseman in baseball this year, um, from the, in the National League at least. So I would hope that he would make the All-Star team as a reserve, if not a starter, but just someone to keep an eye on for the Reds and for me personally in a year that's kind of a forgotten year for them. Yeah, my quick question for you, and then we'll wrap this thing up, but the Reds playing a little bit better than people expected this year. How long until you think they can realistically contend in that division? Well, the division's always going to be tough. I think it really is contingent on their pitching, and if their pitching really develops the rest of this year, I think they have a reasonable shot at being competitive for a wild card next year. And I would argue that the division probably in in two years, 2020, when some of the really good prospects are ready to go, um, like Hunter Green, for example, who's down in single A now, but could really accelerate his growth and move on next couple of years. So I'll say 2020 is when will be their year, but next year I could see them being in the running for a wild card. I, you know, I, I hate to uh, I hate to disagree with you because I, I love disagreeing with you more than <laughs> more than most. Uh, but you know I, I would love to say I think you do have a shot. I mean that Pirates team obviously jumped out in that division better than expected, uh, but the Cubs are floundering. Who knows you know whether that's sustainable? Milwaukee uh, you know better than you know better than we at least initially probably talked about based on some of the signings and. Uh, you know, guys like you, Darvish, going to Chicago instead. But, you know, if, if the Reds can keep steadily improving, you know, who knows? That that wild card in the National League is going to be absolutely insane for a handful of years going forward. I mean, if you look at that, that wild card right now, you have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, 
six teams all within a game or two, and if you expand that out to within three or four games, it's essentially the entire league. Um, so it's it's going to be a fun one here for the next couple of years and eat the rest of this season as well. Yeah, I, you, you just don't see any of these teams, like any of those ALS teams outside the Dodgers, maybe the Giants, but you don't you just don't see teams that are that have, like, farm systems that are built to really make a jump in the next couple of years, at least not to my knowledge. I mean, the Cubs are going to be good. The Brewers are going to be good probably. The Cardinals are going to be good. But then you have the other divisions, and you have the Marlins, who are years away. The Mets don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and then you also have – I mean, the Braves are, are decent. Like, don't get me wrong. The Braves are good. The Braves are good. But – yeah, it's pretty. It's way more wide open in the NL, and I think it'll remain that way for the next couple of years, just because there are no dominant teams. Versus the AL, you have like your powerhouses that are built to last for the next five years, almost. Right. Yeah, I mean the National League, you have, especially you mentioned it, Atlanta, Philadelphia, uh, two very young teams that you know are stacked and they have stacked farm systems. Uh, and you alluded to it, right? Chicago, Milwaukee, maybe not necessarily. Uh, so that could be your avenue for teams like the Pirates and the Reds, who do have a lot better farm systems, to really shoot up and, and make some noise in those wild card spots, even if they can't technically win a division. Yeah, it'll uh, be fun. Yeah, it will be fun. We'll keep an eye on it. For now, we will let you guys go. As always, thanks for checking out The Leftovers. We really appreciate it. Keep telling your friends. Uh, rating, reviewing, and doing all those awesome things. Uh, if you like Steve, put some comments in the iTunes spot. Let us know you want him back. Uh, and if you hate him, feel free to do that too. We'll take comments either way. Uh, but Steve, but Steve, awesome show. Thanks for filling in, man. I really appreciate it. For Dan Bauer, or I'm sorry, I'm Dan Bauer. For Steve Gardner, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday.